How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Hit and run Sundays from 9 a.m. till noon. Here comes the 1-1 from Wesneski to Gallo. He hits a high fly ball, deep right field. This is trouble. This is going to be a long home run. Joey Gallo, a towering tape measure home run. And Minnesota leads four to nothing. Here's the 2-2 hit in the air, deep left center. This ball is going to leave the yard. Correa with a solo home run. And it is now 8-1 Minnesota. And now the 3-2 with the runners going. Swinging a drive toward right. Pretty well hit. Back goes Castro. Makes the catch. Joey Gallo is the right fielder. It was Joey who made that catch. And this ball game is over. As the Cubs do not score in the ninth inning. The Twins win. You want to go? A bunch of us went. Love it. Like that ball just went out of the park. Yes, it did. Luis Robert Jr. hammers a two-strike pitch for the first run today. When Luis Robert gets a strike. He stays in the strike zone. He knows it right away. This ball is smashed. In the air, over first base hit for Robert. Here comes Moncada, and the White Sox have retaken the lead. Home, home fans want every pitch called a strike. 2-1, hit in the air, center field. Robert charging, Robert sliding, and he makes the catch for a White Sox victory over Houston. Hit and run Sundays from 9 a.m. till noon. Good morning. Happy Mother's Day. I am not Matt Spiegel. That's Gabe Ramirez. It's Marshall Harris. Uh, here hanging out, man. We're going to be filling in, leading you right into Cubs baseball. You know, I, I hear I heard that the highlight of of Luis Robert, and I was watching it live. I was at a bar, I think I was. Actually, I don't remember. It's been a long weekend, but I'm sitting there, and I just thought to myself, you know, you are. He's already been on this tear for like the last week, but that play, he just, you know, when when outfielders make the sliding catch look so effortless, you you really just you marvel in the moment, and then you're watching him, and you're just like. Then he's running, like, you know, you pick the catch and he's running in. He gunned it to the sec- to, to, to the infield. It was the last out of the in- or obviously, of the game. But he's, as he's running in, he got, like, the Michael Jordan cross uh, little earring coming down from, from the side. Listen, the, the, the thing Swaggy. about Luis Robert Jr. is it's never been a doubt of whether he has the talent or not. True. It's just the consistency that I'm looking for. And even when the Sox were 
terrible. I'm not saying they're great now, but like sure. even when they were losing like seemingly every night, losing 10 in a row, whatever, he was making plays in center field. He was saving home runs. He was making diving catches. He was making catches on the run. So like every time I see it, it's like, yeah, that man, that man can play. Like that's a good piece. You want to be strong defensively up the middle. It doesn't get stronger than that. I remember watching the 2005 White Sox and seeing Aaron Rowan play center field. And he made it look, again, it was just like, it was effortless. He, that's how he made it look. And I remember Hawk always saying that Aaron Rowan never win a gold glove because Torrey Hunter will have bad reads on the ball and then go dive and make it look spectacular. And make it look good. And when so it, didn't it, looked, need to, it didn't need to look as spectacular <laughs> as it looks. And so, so it's like, Torrey Hunter's always going to look like he's great because he's making these bad reads and then diving plays to make up for himself, where Aaron Rowan is always making the right read, always under the ball and those kind of situations. And I feel like Luis Robert, obviously, you know, we know how, how well he, he can play center field, but the way sometimes the way he makes it look is that, it's just too easy. You know, the way he gets on the ball, he's so fast. He gets underneath it, making the right reads, making the right plays. That last out that we were just talking about, sliding catch, just, just making it look good. And it is, uh, man, I got to be honest, it's, it's fun to watch. You just, when you see games like yesterday where the White Sox pull off the victory 3-1, and you, you, you say to yourself, like, this looked like a game that is something that they can duplicate often. And well, yeah. it's just we- unfortunate that they can't. Well, they can if Dylan Cease is on the mound pitching yeah. like his old self. Like, Every what does he day. look like before <laughs> yeah. yesterday? Yeah. He looked not not like a Cy Young award. Yeah, contender. but it's a lot of pressure. I'm gonna be the I'm gonna be the Sox apologist okay, here. That's stop. a lot of pressure to put on a guy that every single time you go out for multiple years, you just need to be a dog on the bump. You're gonna have some games like that, you know. Listen, he Especially pitched six sucks, six shutout innings, and if you give a team six shutout innings, you should win that game every time. True. Unless you're going up against another bona fide Cy Young Award contending ace. True. And he has not looked like that guy in half the starts he's made this season. That's been a problem. And and they were never going to go anywhere if Dylan Cease wasn't doing his thing. Yeah. If he wasn't picking up from where he was last year into this season, they were never going anywhere. But the beautiful thing for me is I don't look at the win-loss record. I just look at the games back. They're eight and a half games back, which seems like a lot, right? But I'm like, are the Twins that good? No. Like I mean, they, they are, but they no. are. They have talent. Yeah, but like, do they have that much more talent than the White Sox? They have that much more pitching, and that's uh, the issue right there uh, for the for the Twins. And the Cubs are seeing it firsthand uh, after their game yesterday. That's shellacking eleven one. Was Nesky? We were talking about it a second ago. You know, when you're watching that game, it's just and this goes back to Cease, right? Where we've seen Cease over the course of the last couple of seasons, not necessarily be able to hit his his marks consistently, and then once he figured that out and was able to, that's when he became a dominant pitcher, and I feel like that's where Wisniewski's at. Where yesterday, a lot of those home runs were just, you know, sliders that missed. Well, he, that that's a know. problem in the major leagues. Yeah, <laughs> big problem, Marshall. Because, like, if you if you miss with a fastball, you might get away with it. Yeah. But if you miss up with a slider. And, it was, <clears> and, it was, and then he missed a couple of times. And those where you're like, you know, it's supposed to be a sweeping one, you know, Maybe like, you know, low inside and then all of a sudden it hits the outer corner to a lefty and they're just able to smack it. And it was a tough, tough game from yesterday. And then the defense didn't help out at all, you know, either in those situations, too. But uh, what, do, what did you think about the series this weekend, Cubs, Twins and what you saw just in general? I just love the fact that we're going into a Sunday and it's like, OK, it's a rubber game. They can still win the series. Every every time I watch a series, like a, especially three game series, yeah, it's like, can you just win the series? Just win the series. T- uh, just just win the series. And every time you wake up on the third day of a series and there's a chance to win the series, it's already 
a better series than if he had lost the first two, which has happened way too often for the White Sox. Not so much for the Cubs. Yeah. Um, but I think the Cubs are in a good spot. It, this is a very difficult road trip. Um, I don't think it's like an impossible road trip. It's a nine-gamer in, I think, over 10 days. When you're, when you're talking about playing the Twins, who are leading their division, and the two teams that were in the World Series last year, yeah. that is a what, to me, is a daunting task. Now, I know those two teams maybe haven't played as well now as they did last October, but still, like, if you couldn't come away with this 5-4 and four or even 4-5, and five, I'm good with that. You're not, you're not necessarily mad about that. A game three rubber match that Marshall Harris is talking about happening today. First pitch, 1-10 p.m., we got the pregame and the game, obviously, here on 670 to score. Why don't you guys checking that out? Marcus Stroman's on the bump today. I like that. I think they're going to win today. I think, they're, I think they actually are going to take that series. And that is, my, that is a selfish Sox fan saying that. If I, if, if I told you Marcus Stroman, right, was going to be, you know, the second or third best pitcher on a staff, but have a be be looking good, you would be like, oh, the Cubs are are are, are winning things. No, no, I would say that's that's where he belongs. That's what I would say about Marcus Stroman. Marcus Stroman is not should not be your top of the line ace, right? And he was put. Do you think he believes that? Position. Do you think he believes that? No pitcher in Major League Baseball <laughs> believes that they're not the ace, or they they shouldn't get the ball, you know, to kick off the season in those situations. But Stroman, I mean, he's just been pitching well. I mean, he's two point two eight ERA. I mean, just. Absolutely lights out. And, and today, going up against Louis Varlin, the guy that, you know, struggled his last couple outings. So I, I think he's going to be hyped up to take the series lead. And then, you know, Minnesota is a nice park to, uh, uh, a nice park to pitch in. So I know he's going to be feeling good about that. And like, and like you mentioned, the Cubs are – I mean, listen, they got embarrassed yesterday 11-1. to So they're going to want to bounce back in that situation and really, you know, prove a point and then take their butts over to, to Houston and then try to, you know, be the second – Chicago team to win a series against the that Astros. Is, and that is not a place that you want to uh, be out here pitching. That's Houston, a pit, no, no, that's, no. That's, 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 that's like a little league park. My, my, one of my favorite memories, uh, my, one of my really good friends, shout out Jesse, he, he's a Houston Astros fan, went, you know, born and raised in Houston. So two years ago, he's like, dude, I'm going to Houston. I'm going to catch the, the White Sox series, go visit my mom. You want to come with me? I was like, absolutely. I want to go down there and catch these games. So I go down. I got my White Sox hat on. And I have a pin put into my, my cap. And it's a 2005 World Series pin with the Houston Astros. On. You know you know me, Marshall, so you know that's something that I most yeah, certainly that, that would do. Yeah, something you would do. So yeah. I have the pin on. And the Sox suck in this, you know, in this year. And I'm like, whatever. So everybody's like, ah, oh, you guys suck. You guys suck. And I, we're, we're like right in the front, third baseline. And I stand up in between innings. What are you doing? And I'm like, like, because they're all heckling me. And then my, my friend, he's, a, he's like a damn near a comedian. He's like, guys, I'm sorry for my friend here, man. You know, he's from Chicago. <laughs> I had to show him, you know, with a World Series team. He forgot. And I stand up, and I'm like, guys, man, this is a beautiful museum. Did you know this is the place where the White Sox won the 2005 World Series? <laughs> this is beautiful, yo, man. This is yo, amazing. You're, you're over the top. You're over the top. <laughs> this is wild. You know, you're lucky you're dealing with a docile Houston Astros fan yeah. base. Because oh, yeah. some places, yeah, yeah. somebody hit you in the face. Uh, and they, were all, they all laughed. It was fun. But definitely one of my favorite stories in visiting a different ballpark. Uh, I'm Gabe Ramirez. He's Marshall Harris from CBS2, man. Check him out on TV. He's working tonight. Yeah, got a, a double duty. He's always messaging me about how many jobs I have. And you, are what my friend. What do you friend. do? Well, and what? congratulations, by the way. On what? You over here, you got the fire looking good. Oh. Uh, 
You got the fire looking good. Hey man, that's a whole other. That's a whole other conversation. I'm glad that they won yesterday. I mean, they should have won by more, but I'm, I'm glad that they whatever, won yesterday. Whatever, man. Dubs points is points. True, true. And they did get a, they did get a, a three yesterday yeah. against St. Louis City Bears SC. Effect, man. It really is yeah. like they they've advanced in the U.S. Uh, Open, the Lamar Hunt. Yeah, the U.S. Open. They they they're, they're winning actual MLS games now. You know, they're not in 14th place anymore. I have a 15-team league. We are losing listeners as we continue no. to talk about <laughs> Listen, I was just – look, I was just giving Gabe his props. And I appreciate that. He's in the – but look, he might be at every fire game, but he's in the White Sox hoodie right now. Facts. Representing. You know what? I felt – you know, to, to me doing this – because I know, listen, Matt Spiegel is – one of our brilliant baseball minds here at 670 to score. And there's no way that even our two minds together can match his when it comes to this. So I felt like I needed to be in the zone, you know? Okay. So this was intentional. I, like, dig, dug in my closet to go find the White Sox. I should have worn my White Sox gear, too, then. See? I didn't know we were doing that. I thought because we were the Cup Station, we weren't yeah. allowed to do that. <laughs> Because I don't know. It's, we give unbiased opinions here on okay, both teams. Okay, yeah. yeah. Oh, I, one of us gives un- unbiased opinions. Don't let Sean start because Sean is the one that, that eggs me on, and that's what it is. I I, I, I like the Cubs. If, if one I thing, like the Cubs, too. If one thing Sean can tell you is that I have been a big fan of this pitching staff since last year. He has. Since he has. last year, I was like, when everybody was like, oh, I'm out on the Cubs, I'm like, dude, your pitching staff is awesome. I said, Rossi got these guys playing extremely well, and these young guns, I was like, this team is fun to watch. And so I've always been there. But then Sean will come in and be like, but is, has Dylan Cease been fun to watch for the last – you know what I mean? Like, he'll throw in some shade like that. Yeah, that's and, unnecessary, Sean. And it's unnecessary. I see, he's making things up, man. Half the <laughs> time, half the time I'm just like, you know it was really fun, the Chicago White Sox. Yeah, see? And he, yeah. So I feel like um, the, the dynamic here between Cubs fans and White Sox fans is very interesting to me. Okay. Like I'm a I'm a lifelong White Sox fan growing up in uh, Birmingham, Alabama, going to Barons games with my dad. That's awesome. But like I I love the Cubs too because I I grew up and they were on TV every yeah. single day. Yeah. So you know I watched the leadoff man. You know I, I'm I got WGNs. But Jerry Reinsdorf said yeah, yeah. That's why there's Cubs fans everywhere because of uh, the Superstation. Absolutely, and and that that was me. Like I would watch them in the afternoon and I watch the Braves at night on TBS yeah. so from one Superstation to another, right? And I just didn't I, when I when I got here. It seems like there's this tension between the Sox fans and the Cubs fans, and I'm like, why? It's, why? It's, they don't play each other. It's such an unnecessary tension, but I think what, I think it's it's something that is fueled by the the idiots, like the baseball idiots, right? There's the purists that just love baseball, right? And they love the fact that there are two teams here in this wonderful city that we get to see on any given day during the summer. But then there's those schmucks that 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 want to be like. Oh, I like the Cubs. Like Sean, be like, oh my god, that's a good impersonation of Sean Sears. By okay, the way, I I'll want take to be very it. clear. And and then there's the other, like the Sox fans. I, I want to be very clear. There's a bunch of you know belligerents that are over there as well that are like, ah, oh, the Cubs. And it's like, dude, just chill. It's not that serious. We're not getting paid by either of these teams. Yeah, staying your get lane. No root for who you sharing. root for. Like, there's, <laughs> right. It's just there's no need for all the shade. No, no need. For, Let the, let's leave that to the NBA because it's my favorite place to get all the the drama. Hey, and we might you know be chatting about a little NBA. Here and there. Uh, but we are going to take a break, guys. I want to open up the phone lines, 312-644-6767. I'm usually working at night unless I'm filling in somewhere. So I would love to hear some of your baseball minds because I know th- you are the one that is listening right now. What did you think about these last couple of games? If you are a Cubs fan, 
uh, against the, the Minnesota Twins in this road trip. And then if you're a Sox fan as well, you know, how impressed are you with Dylan Cease, Luis Robert, and, and what uh, uh, direction do you feel like these White Sox are going to be in? We're taking your thoughts on Cubs and Sox right here on 670. The score, 312-644-6767. Uh, it's Gabriel. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island Jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast it's marshall harris it's hit and run right here on chicago sports radio 670 the score hit and run sundays from 9 a.m till noon White Sox ace tonight, Dylan Cease. Who had a tremendous start on opening day against the Astros. Good start for Dylan Cease. Well, the old saying, location, and a couple of more times, three times to be exact, location, location, location. One, two, got him on the corner, strike three, just nipped the edge. Second strikeout for Cease. There's a swing and miss, strike three, one away. Swing and a miss, strike three, breaking ball from Cease. Strikeout number four. Three, two, right on the corner, painted him. How about the catch by Zavala there, too? Helped him a little bit. Perfect pitch, perfect catch, perfect way to take care of Alvarez. Dylan Cease with a gem yesterday. White Sox win three to one versus the Houston Astros. Cease going six, giving up just four hits. Two walks, five strikeouts, 
And every Sox pitcher that touched the bump yesterday got themselves a strikeout. Right now, the Lopez going two-thirds of an inning, uh, giving up the earned run. He got a K. Joe Kelly uh, gets the win, going an inning in the third. Uh, two strikeouts, had one hit, and then Kendall Graveman came in. Uh, when everybody was nervous at the very end, uh, going uh, the ninth, one one hit, one strikeout as well. The the the, the damning thing about the game yesterday, because it should have been probably the, the gas should have been a little bit bigger, Marshall, where you know the White Sox had 13 hits yesterday. I don't care. Oh, you don't, don't care. I, listen, man. The, the so Sox, you're, like, you're like pitchers that don't care the, about victories. Just get the victory. Yo, just the, the 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 way the Sox had been playing, have been playing, are playing. When you can take a dub and the other team scores one run, you just take it and run. Like that's you got to set a tone somehow, some way, right? But you're playing and, against the you're playing against a team that is a game over 500. Okay, and where are you? Hold on, I'm talking about you know when you're when you're asking because where I felt like you were going with that, that was personally, Marshall. He took that one personally. You see what he, see how he does? See what he does, Sean Sears? You see what he does? Sean, I'm not gonna let you instigate in this. I, I can <laughs> instigate myself. <laughs> we don't need I'm, two I'm, instigators. I'm, in this. You've never hung out with Marshall and I. This is what we yeah. do. Yeah. This is literally, literally what we do. What I'll say is, I know you want to focus on the fact that they were three for ten with runners in score position. That's yes, and thirteen that, hits. You're wasting Tim Anderson going three for four. Uh, Andrew Benatendi going two for three at the top of the lineup. Like these are these are you know and and, and Yo Yo coming back going three for four like. These are the things you're wasting in these moments. Okay, you're saying you're wasting, but just get these guys to start hitting, and then it will come together. Andrew Vaughn had a 0 for 4, two strikeout night. That's why yeah. they were, you know, in the situation they were in. But three for ten, that's still 300 with runners in score position. I think you got to start looking at this in a, in an overall sense of, hey, this is better than what we've been doing, as yeah. opposed to, hey, why aren't y'all scoring five or six or seven runs? No, no, no. See, you're the pat on the back guy. No, I'm not patting. No, you're, you're, I'm the, not pat, pat you're on, the pat on the back guy, and I'm the kick in the butt guy. And there's two different ways to approach this scenario. And I think with these White Sox, you cannot pat on the back these guys anymore. You've had years to do that. Now it needs to be kicking the butt, guys. We beat the Astros three to one. You know what? But we're we're better than that. This should have been ten to one. So you know what we're gonna do today? Get on the mound, handle business, and take the take the series just like you were saying, so that that we can have some sort of life. Because I'm, you know what, I'm tired of hearing Marshall. What you, you heard AJ Przinsky say it yesterday. And you've heard Ben Attendee say it, in, in, like, last week. Sox get one win, and automatically it's like, is this the one that's going to turn things around? No, no, no. See, I, no, 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 no. The only time I felt like that's this entire season is when they won back-to-back series. Because that's only happened once all season. <laughs> so when they did that, I was like, okay, maybe things are starting to turn around. I was never like, is this the one that's going to turn things around? But when they won back-to-back series, it was a couple things. Not just the fact that they won back-to-back series. It's like, look, you got four games with the last place team yeah. in your division. Just win the series. And at worst, really maybe you don't win the series, but you get a split because it's yeah. a four-game series. What happened? Yeah, that was crap. They dropped three of four On to the, the road. Royals. Yeah. To the Royals. It was, it, was a bad, it was a bad stretch run, lost some bad games. You know, one of them was a one-run game. So, I mean, you know, the last one of the set, you know, that, that they should have had. But, you know, hey. You bounce back. You, you beat Houston in the game. You know, with, with your with your ace on the mound, and then you get an opportunity to to run it back today with a guy who's looked pretty good on the mound in recent days. True, Lucas Giolito has looked like a dude who can who can cause problems. So I, my thing is this: just win the series. Yeah. I don't care if it's one nothing. I don't care if it's twelve to eight. Win the series. All right, let's go to the phone lines. Three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven is Gabe Ramirez, Marshall Harris, in for Matt Spiegel on hit and run. Uh, we're taking your calls, thoughts on the White Sox, also on the Cubs. So if you you know if you liked what you've seen over the last couple of days uh, from the Cubs and, and you have some thoughts, please feel free to chime in as well. Let's go to Owen out in Willowbrook. Owen, so what what do you think the issue is with the Chicago White Sox? 
Hey guys. Well, first of all, I, I think the big issue is this. They keep, people keep saying this team has talent. Okay. But talent is not just physical talent. It's mental talent and they don't have the discipline at the plate to be consistent. This team cannot win eight, nine, ten games in a row. Mm. These these guys, the day before, the top four guys went over sixteen. They swing at wild pitches. They 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 just don't have the ability to do it. And fundamentally, they aren't good enough. And I I I put this on the fact that I don't think our general manager knows talent. And I I think that they they overestimated what they had, and they don't have the ability to stick to fundamentals. Okay, I'm I'm with that, uh, especially the part about. The respecting of the fundamentals. That's one thing I've noticed since I got to town. I've been here. This is my third season covering the White Sox, right? They, they, they consistently have not been consistent in terms of the way they approach the game, whether that's their plate approach, out in the field. I agree with that 100%. Now, to say they just don't have talent, though, I'm against that because I think Luis Robert Jr. is pretty talented. Yeah. I think Andrew Vaughn's got a lot of promise. I think there's Tim Anderson is Tim Anderson. I think they... Do have? Are you talented if if you are inconsistent with that talent? You know, like think about any sport, right? Like if you're an NBA player and you drop thirty one day, but then you drop eight the next, which happens a lot in the NBA, is that player talented or are they just capable? And I think that's what I think that's what Owens leaning on, and I think a lot of people have been questioning that when it comes to the White Sox. Like you know, Eloy Jimenez can go yard. You know he can hurt you. Uh, you know, but you also know he can hurt you, you know, like defensively, you know, taking some wild swings, maybe not having the best approach at the plate. So, you know, and I think that's the big issue that we as White Sox fans have, you yourself included, where, you know, we look at these guys and we're like, you're so inconsistent. Did we, did, did we give false hope to the fan base in the city and, and trying to project the type of talent onto these guys that is not necessarily there? I think expectations – they haven't they haven't they haven't met met expectations ultimately. And so it's not what but you who's can that, who's that on? Who it's not what you can do, it's what you do do, right? And they haven't done it. So you say who's it on? It's on everyone in the organization. Because there's guys, front office wise, whose job it is to develop the talent and get them to play when you see the the, the potential to get that potential out of them. That's between the coaching staff, uh, the front office, minor league development. How you're brought into an organization and what you're taught before you get to the big mm-hmm. leagues oftentimes determines what you do once you get to the big leagues. He, he's Marshall Harris. I'm Gabe Ramirez. This is 670 The Score. You said a word right there. Gave me goosebumps, by the way, because I think that that's something that people are leaving out of the equation. More often than not, there is a blame placed on the players. Right. There is a blame placed on management. But the word you said that no one is talking about is development yeah and that right there is the issue right when you're saying like oh these these guys aren't talented enough or the gm didn't bring in the guy he, he, he overstated you know the talent that's there no the talent is there but it's not being developed to the point where they can have consistency if a guy can score 30 in the nba and puts up eight the next well it's the coach's job to then get him to a point where he can put up 23 consistently and that i love that today listen to listen to rick hahn uh, talk about where where he feels like the blame should be when he gets asked these questions. Put it on me. That's the job. That's the absolute gig. Put it on me. Put it on me. I, I, I'll tell you this. Uh, let's make it real clear. It sure as heck isn't on Pedro and this coaching staff. And they are doing everything in their power to prepare 
play focus on the, the, the what's controllable and what's fixable, uh, addressing the problems as they arise, and uh, are really doing everything in their power to get this thing right. So it's absolutely not on the manager or the coaches. Uh, ultimately, it's the players who play the game, and when they don't achieve at the level that we've projected, uh, they certainly bear a level of responsibility for that. But at the end of the day, the people who put the players in on the roster and put them on the field are the ones that bear the responsibility if that group doesn't achieve. That's me. That's fine. Not once, Marshall, was the word development in there. And that's that's why I was so excited when you said that because even Rick Hahn is saying, it's on me. It's on the players too. Don't blame it on this person. But no one talked about, you know, we get these guys up. We give, you know, Eloy $6 million a year because we think he's the man. But he's still a guy that, you know, in most organizations probably would have spent more time in the minors to develop. But it's 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 my question is what what is happening in the minors? And I don't know. I don't I don't right. I, I don't know what's going on in Charlotte. I don't know what's going on in Birmingham and, and levels below. But I, I will say this what you see on a daily basis from the Sox many times is unacceptable. And that's why fans are so just beside themselves, ready to give up on the season. Um, which you can't blame if you if you're only winning thirty three percent of your games. You can't blame a fan who says I- I'm going to walk away because I-, I just can't I can't bear to watch this anymore. Yeah, baseball even with the the new pitch clock is a time consuming game. <laughs> People got other things to do with their time, right? So I can't even blame them if like oh and what once it gets nice outside, yeah. Once it, re- once it really gets nice outside, yeah. People are going to have other things to do than watch Sox baseball if the Sox aren't performing. Now, if we get more games like we saw last night, then that's a different story. And they have likable guys. You know, we're looking at the White Sox team. I mean, Luis Robert Jr., without a doubt, is a likable player. Eloy, regardless of what you might say, is likable. You know, you like guys like Jake Berger, Andrew Benatendi. I mean, Cease, Giolito. Oh, my gosh. I, I want to root for guys like Reynaldo Lopez, you know, uh, Liam Hendricks. I mean, these are guys that you want to see perform at an extremely high level, and you want to root for them. But again, like you just mentioned, summertime comes, and if you're not winning, like then I'm going to be like, then I'm not here for this. Let's take uh, some more phone calls. 312-644-6767. It's Gabe Ramirez. It's Marshall Harris from CBS2. Uh, right here on 670, the score. Let's go to Kevin out in Palatine. Kevin, you know, speaking of likable players on the White Sox, Andrew Vaughn is one of them, but he also can make you upset occasionally as well, right? Yeah, but he is. But here's what you got to remember. you got to remember where he was drafted. He, he should be having his Chris Bryant year this year. He should be the MVP. This is what we were told. Get get uh, get Pito out of town. Get the Abreu out of town, and it opens the door for this superstar, never before seen season. That's what was said in the off season. Here's another guy on this team who is Michael Kopech. All we hear, Chuck Garfine, and everyone, this is his year. This is his year. He never goes five innings. Peter Gammon said he was going to win multiple Cy Youngs. Michael Kopech is a guy. He he's he he's literally he's a fourth or fifth starter. Yeah. See, the issue with this town is, and, you know, Parkin said it on the score the other day, we are such, this is the easiest media town, and everyone who covers the White Sox, with the exception of Josh Nelson, there is no Gordon Wittenmeyer who covers the Sox, who actually holds them accountable, and that's why you are, people are allowed to get, you know, Rick Hahn saying, talk to me after the third parade. The third parade, how this guy still has a job <laughs> is insane. But, guys, we, we totally overrate 
And here's the thing now. Everyone's twisting themselves into pretzels saying, hey, is there a possibility? So first of all, there is no possibility they're going to win this division. None. The math doesn't add up. But this is not what we were promised. We were promised multiple World Series, and now people want to take out the pom-poms because they won one game last night and that they might somehow, which is it's never going to happen, win the worst division in the history of pro sports. Like, guys, we need to hold them to a way higher account. This is the seventh year of the rebuild. It failed. It You're failed. right. You're right, Jim. I, I, I got no I got no arguments. With he's making that some he said. great points. I, and, and he's making uh, very good points. And what I'll say is, hey, man, at the end of the day, for me personally, it's 162 games, and we got 120 more or so to go. Yeah. So I, I got to look at the day-to-day just but, to but keep hey, myself sane. But Jim said it. The math ain't mathing. <laughs> no, the math, <laughs> the math is not math. Oh, Kevin, sorry. But, but, we knew, but we knew that from jump. All, all you could say is, all right, let's figure out who's salvageable on this team. Yeah. What can you get for some of these players with expiring contracts this year and next year? And, and <sighs> who should be running the show after this year? I hate being in a situation like that. Wait, did, what do you mean? He, he did bring up Josh Nelson, though. And he will be on our show later on today uh, at 1040. So if you want to hear from him, make sure you check him out so he can keep this White Sox accountable. Uh, but one thing he said that was spot on, and I've, I've mentioned it several times over, is the issue with this town is that we build people up prematurely, and regardless of the sport. They do that in every town, though. Let me, let me tell but, you, as but, a guy Chicago, Chicago does it in a different way, I feel like. But t- you would know better than I. But t- tell me when you say a different way, how do you feel it's different? I think that we give everyone... Like Michael Jordan, Derrick Rose status. Whoa, whoa! Why yeah. are you doing that? That's my that's my point. That's the issue with the town. You Justin Fields, you. If, if, I just was watching like eight videos yesterday of people saying he sucks and like putting out st- statistics of all these other things about Justin Fields. And then I go back to my Chicago world, and everyone's like, like he like uh, Rick Hahn saying three parade. Talk to me in three parades because everyone's thinking Justin Fields is that dude. TBD. Rashawn Johnson. People are like, oh, he's Matt Forte. What are you talking about? Tyler Scott. Oh, Adam Thielen in the flesh. Like this guy's gonna be a stud. Darnell Wright, pff, six Pro Bowls in a row, starting from the very beginning. Like, people do that in this hey, Gabe, town immediately. Hey, Gabe, Gabe, that's what fans do in every city. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm be real with you. That's so. what fans do in every city. That makes me feel better. But our job, our job as media members who have these platforms, these microphones in front of us, yeah. is to calm all that down okay. and be like, hey, I see, what you, I see what you want. I don't think that that's maybe what you're going to – it's like when you watch a, a fast food commercial of any kind, how good does that food look in the commercial? Delicious. And then when you get that thing in real life? Delicious. <laughs> it doesn't right. look delicious. It does not look delicious. Right. Uh, we got to take a break. Uh, we get to talk to Kylie McDaniel, ESPN Baseball Insider, about some of the prospects on both of these teams, the White Sox and the Chicago Cubs, and see who is someone maybe that we don't necessarily have our eye on that, could, that can help either of these teams uh, get themselves out of the rut. Uh, who does Kylie think uh, can be that person? We'll find out after the break. It's Gabe Ramirez. Marshall Harris on Hit and Run right here. Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. 
Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. It's that time of year. Cash the ticket. Jim Costa with Mike Valeni. We shift the focus from football to college hoops, getting us ready for the tournament where we're going to break down all the matchups and have an eye on some future plays too. Search Cash the Ticket on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. On Chicago Sports Radio, 670 the score. Mejia ready and delivers. Swing, ground ball, past the pitcher in the center field. Wogu gets the wave. Here he comes. Smokies win. The Smokies win. Pete Crow Armstrong has delivered the winner. A 4-3 final. What do you say? Look at him pile on old PCA out there and left. Never quit with these guys. Hit and run Sundays from 9 a.m. till noon. It's Gabe Ramirez, Marshall Harris from CBS 2 hanging out today, filling in for Matt Spiegel. It is hit and run. That announcer sounded as, as excited as Sean Sears when he's he's like, guys, I'm playing the PCA clip. I'm like, dude, you told me this eight times already, bro. But did you want, you want to hear it? He's asking you me right now, I want to hear it again. I was queued up for you, man. I like PCA. It's fun, oh, man. He's fun. He's, who do you like better, uh, Sean Sears, PCA, or Matt Mervis? Ooh, I'm a big PCA guy. Matt Mervis he is has fun, been. but PCA is my boy. Matt Mervis is doing it, so I'm going to go with Matt Mervis. See, here's the thing with y'all and your love for prospects. Everybody loves a prospect, I'm right? Because the they don't one, have anything. They, they haven't done anything yet, so it's one. easy to be like, they're going to be so great. They're going to be so And this goes back to my just ability to smash some of these, yeah. this talk. Let's wait to see them do something before we call them the next whatever. Hey, Matt Mervis almost hit a homer yesterday, you know, uh, uh, sitting on second base and then got hyped up. That, that's what As I like. As he should. As he should. But you know when you're when you're like a you know young or you know rookie getting called up, you know you kind of feel subdued in certain moments because you don't want to overstep your butt. But he was just like, no, guys, let's do this. I'm ready. He was like, ah, on second base. I love things like that. See that those are the kind of players I like. Show me emotion. You know, do do your little dance on second base, like go cooking in the kitchen, or you know they all got the bow and arrow, like whatever it is. Whatever your celebration yeah, is. Do people it. people who don't like celebrations, I will never celebrate you. How about that? Well. We're going to celebrate our next guest because I know he probably is cut from the cloth that does like people that celebrate as well. Joining us right now on the Circuit Resort and Casino Hotline, Circuit Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. He is uh, the ESPN baseball insider hanging out with us right now, Kylie McDaniel. Kylie, favorite uh, favorite celebration that you see across Major League Baseball, what would it be? Uh, I believe it's referred to as the Dong Bong in Baltimore. <laughs> Okay. I love that. I love I, is that is that because I remember when they first debuted it, people were trying to like come up what's the actual name for this. But they, they, is that what they landed on? Dong Bong. It's it's one of the two. I forgot what the other one was, but I was like, that's clearly the better of the two. So yeah, Dong Bong. I think it was like the Homer Hose or something like that. Yeah, uh, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. Don, but Dong, Dong Bong has honest. that nice little two syllable. Dong Bong let's roll. Is really, where it's at. That's the best one. Harkens back to all of our days in college. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, unfortunately, some more more days than the, than other. That's neither here nor there. Kind of. Uh, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about. We were just talking about the man Matt Mervis himself. Um, have you been satisfied with what you've seen uh, from him so far in these these last couple of weeks uh, from being called up? Yeah, he's the, I mean, in the sort of the, the prospecty world that I've come up in, it's been, it's tough to project those kinds of players where you don't have to use sort of the scouting 2080 scale, uh, 70 power. Like, I don't think it's quite to that level where you're expecting 30, 40 homers. I think he's probably a tier below that. So that means he's really got a hit and needs to be decent defensively. 
And so, you know, in the, in the small look we've had so far, he hasn't been hitting a ton, but it's also very early. I think he'll probably hit enough. The question for me is, is he going to be a good enough hitter to get to all the power and be a pretty good starter at first base? Or is he going to have some swing and miss issues, maybe hit like 230, 240, and be more of like a platoon guy that you kind of work into the lineup? Like that, that's sort of the question for me with Mervis. And I, obviously he hasn't played quite enough yet to sort of answer that. I think you probably need like a month or two to get an idea of like which way it's trending. I feel like when we're, we're talking about prospects, we were just we were literally just talking about this. People get so hyped about the prospects. I mean, it, 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 for me, it's it's a real forecasting game to try to predict who's going to do well at the major league level because you can put up numbers in in AAA, and then maybe in the majors it doesn't happen quite at the same level. I'm really conflicted right now watching Christopher Morrell because I saw him put up big numbers in Iowa. I also saw him get off to a great start last year with the Cubs before cooling off on the second half of the season. What What is your, your view on Christopher Morrell and his ceiling? He was another guy that was in that bucket where it was, is this going to be a like sort of corner utility platoon guy that's got some swing and miss issues and then get to the power and is like a nice guy to have. And then once he gets to arbitration, he's making three, four, five million a year. He's hitting 222.30, then, you know, maybe he's non tender, maybe he's traded. Like, that's sort of like the low end expectation for that kind of guy. Same goes for Mervis. And then he obviously gets to the big leagues last year and hits a little more than expected, gets there a little quicker than you thought, uh, and then comes up and does stuff again this year. And it's like, okay, it seems like he's going to get to this power enough that it kind of depends on what kind of team he's on. That if he's on a team that is like, you know, like the Padres or the Dodgers or the, you know, Mets or the Braves, where like the team is just stacked with a bunch of dudes making 10, 20 million dollars a year. He might not necessarily be your start. He's a really good guy. You work into the lineup. And then for a team that's still got some spots for young, young players, like he seems like he's got the potential to be a solid everyday guy. And you just got to keep an eye on what that strikeout rate is, how often he's swinging and missing in the zone. How much is he going to chase out of the zone? Uh, there's some sort of theories in the scouting world that chasing out of the zone, you can actually teach guys to stop doing at some point where swinging and missing in the zone tends to be, Oh, your swing pass is uphill to lift the ball in the air. You can't really fix that as much. So he's one of those guys, again, with Mervis, where you're trying to figure out exactly, like, what flavor of contact they're going to have. Because just looking at, like, what their strikeout rate is in AA or AAA and what they've done in, like, their first, you know, 20, 30 games in the big leagues, that doesn't really tell you because that can be very misleading in small samples. We're talking to Kylie McDaniel here on 670 The Score, Gabe Ramirez, Marshall Harris. Make sure you follow him at KylieMCD. You know, when you're talking about Christopher Morrell, I mean, you know the power is there. You know he has the ability to play multiple positions. But when you see him play, Kylie, where do you feel like, because you mentioned, you know, having him play every day, you know, where is is the position that you see him being the most successful in? I think third base is his best natural position. I think that sort of fits his skill set that he's not necessarily like a long speed guy. I think it's like first couple steps. Um, But also, like, I don't think he's like a plus defender there. So for a lot of teams, like I know we talked about this Bobby Witt Jr. last year, like he's a really good shortstop, but they had a shortstop they wanted to play there. So now he's a third baseman. He turned into a really good third baseman. And Morrell, I think, is one of those guys where he's like, he's probably never going to be an above average to plus defender anywhere. He's a guy that you're fine putting in a couple different locations and he'll probably be fine. Um, so again, I said sort of like a corner utility guy. I think he kind of can play all four corners if you need him to. I think there's enough athleticism. He can probably play some second or center if you need him to. Um, but I think he kind of fits better on on those corner spots. I, I, I'm, I'm curious, uh, when, when you're watching the prospects in general, uh, but specifically for this Cubs team, and the way that they mesh with a, a team that's got a lot, a, a lot more veterans this year than they did last year, 
How, how much how much of the, of the of a team building do you have to take into account when you bring up guys that are young, knowing they're not going to maybe get as much playing time? We're talking about you know Morell Mervis, fortunate right now because Nico Horner um, was hurt. That they're getting guys maybe more run than they would be getting normally. I mean, how, how much of a balance do you think that is getting guys everyday bats in AAA versus hey, you come up, you may be just a platoon player or a spot player. Yeah, I mean, that's the that's the trickiest thing to do and also, I think, a, a sign of a really good organization. I came up working for the Braves. I live in Atlanta now, so I follow them pretty closely. And when I worked there, we called up Dansby Swanson, who was one of the best prospects in baseball, former number one overall pick. And he was, like, not very good at the plate for a little while. Uh, and then, obviously, like, turned it on, got paid. Now he's in Chicago. Uh, it's hard to guess how that's going to happen. It's also hard, I think, part of the reason the Cardinals – uh, get a lot of plots around the league in general, not necessarily right now, for like they just seem to always have a young player to come up that no one really regards very highly that'll come fill in and do a good job. I think there's a lot of sort of institutional preparation for all these guys, whether you're a big time prospect or just a fill in guy that's going to get DFA in three days when this, you know, the regular guy comes back. Uh, can you get that guy in a position to succeed? Is the clubhouse and the culture and the chemistry such that somebody can walk in there, do a good job, and feel like they're a part of it? Uh, some of that is just sort of roll, lucky roll the dice. Uh, some of it is having the right player, and you never know if you have the right player until you put him in that situation. And I'd say like at least half of that is what the sort of front office coaching staff, the advanced scouts, like all those people do to put people in a position to succeed. And I think a team uh, organization top to bottom that's doing a sloppy job of those things, that teams tend to target them in trade talks because they think they can do a better job developing this player than the team currently is. And so they're undervalued. And you can then, you know, again, working for teams, we had these conversations. Who are the teams you want to target in trades you want to rope them into a three-way deal because you think they're generally bad at stuff when it comes to player <laughs> development. So, so like, true. even if a player that they have evaluated correctly, we think we're going to do a better job with them than they will. That's the kind of thing that, you know, from top to bottom, day after day, like a little bit of a shortcoming in that area, it tends to, you know, snowball on itself and then becomes a real problem when those guys aren't ready at the big leagues either. And you know what, Marshall, it's a great question because it's, it's something that I've uh, pondered as well. It's like, you know, you got this team of, you know, guys that you signed and, they're, they're, you know, the clubhouse is already good. And then you're bringing in these guys to replace them and, and take at bats away. But it seems as though the clubhouse itself is such a good one. Right. Like, I think it was Eric Hosmer that was, you know, praising Matt Mervis and like, hey, I understood what was going to happen. You know, when I came here, I didn't know when, but, you know, here it is. And, and I, I wish the best. for So like having a, a, a space like that, that these guys can come into says a lot. It says a lot about the organization, says a lot about uh, Dave Ross as a manager. Uh, Kylie, but those are the bats. What, what about pitching? Right. I mean, you look at a guy like Hayden, Hayden Wisniewski. Struggled his, his last outing, wasn't necessarily able to find his spots, and, and and you do got a guy like Kyle Hendricks who's getting closer. Um, but you know, thoughts on Hayden Wisniewski, and, and is there another arm in in the Cubs system that can kind of come up and have like a Justin Steele type uh, rise to the majors? Uh, Wisniewski, I think, will be fine. He's I mean, going back to sort of Morel Mervis examples. The question with him is, is he going to be able to settle in as a third, fourth starter and be a you know quality, dependable guy, you know, ERA around four, or is he going to be one of these utility arms where he could be long relief, fifth starter, seventh, eighth inning, can kind of go in different roles, and is that sort of third pitch, the you know fastball, breaking ball, is he commanding those enough to really make everything work? Is there going to be a third or fourth option in there to keep guys off of it? Uh, that's you know just one of those guys who got thrown in the deep end and hasn't quite figured it out yet, but I think all the components are there. So I'm confident that he'll be able to figure it out. 
On the prospect side, uh, there has been some I'd say, positive movement uh, at the top of the system where I think Jordan Wicks, uh, I had in the middle of my top 100. I think he made a huge step forward last year. He was seen as like a pitchability lefty without big stuff. And then his stuff got better last year, which at age you know 23, you never really expect to happen, but it happened. Uh, and then behind him, you have Kate Horton, first-round tech from last year. He's been doing well so far. He's not an option to really get there this year. Wicks is in double-A. He could conceivably get there in the second half. And then behind them, you have DJ Hers, who's probably in that Wisniewski, like kind of floats around different sorts of roles or possible big stuff from the left side. Uh, and then I also, the guy to keep an eye on would be Daniel Palencia, really big stuff, uh, has a chance to, if you put him in those short relief roles, could be an option this year as well. Uh, and then also Ben Brown, who I forgot, another guy. I think all of these guys have been uh, acquired in the last year or two. Huge breaking ball, uh, throws in the mid-90s, has a chance to be a starter as well. So I think over the last couple of years of the, if you want to call it a rebuild, reload, whatever it's been with the Cubs, they've done a good job of building out that pitching depth to have the option to not have to run out a guy that's unqualified. There's enough guys there that are always going to have a decent option this year. That's a long laundry list you just gave us. That sounds like a whole other starting rotation in the minors, right? And, 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 and I'm not we mad need about it. a whole other rotation of five of them to hope you're going to get one or two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, that, right. that's yeah, how that works. And, and that's, it's, it's interesting that we talk about it because I'm going to flip the script now. Same question, but, well, basically same question, but I'm looking across town, the south side. It, it, give me oh hope for the White Sox future. Me too, please, because I'm wearing a Sox hoodie and I just need it. <laughs> so... I have not been a huge fan of the way that they have built a team in general, broadly speaking. Not that, like, I don't think it's going to not going to work at all. It's just, like, not my flavor in the same way I think a lot of people around baseball question if A.J. Preller would be able to make a winner because he was seen as a guy that could collect a lot of high-end players and prospects and sort of, you know, get a bunch of talent around, make a good farm system, have a nice young core. But could he finish the team off? Could he balance it out? Uh, could he make a top-to-bottom winner? He hasn't quite done it yet, but I think he's been making strides each year, getting a little better at it. The White Sox were building in a similar way. Some of it was through the system, some of it was through free agency. Let's get like six or seven or eight really good players, give them extensions, give them big contracts, and then we'll just kind of figure out the rest of it. And I don't know if you could tell, but when I was referring to an organization, the top-to-bottom isn't necessarily run the best. Oh, yeah, we knew we knew what you meant. We, we knew exactly <laughs> what you were alluding below. to. It was, it was, there was, you, you didn't have to code, code, code switch for us. We, we understood exactly what was going on. If the efficiency of the organization of, you know, the six or eight different departments that matter, if you're average at best in all of these, and I'd say, you know, bottom five, bottom 10, some of them, uh, you're not going to figure out how to fill out the rest of the roster on a cheap budget the way that, like, say, Milwaukee will always have two or three guys on minor league deals that nobody wanted turning into a two or three war player. And they're just always finding these guys. It's not just like randomly they're looking under a rock and they get lucky every year. They have a process for selecting these guys developing them even when they're like you know uh hernan perez guys like this that are just like 27 year old dream and utility infielders they put up a three-war season with milwaukee it's like it's not a coincidence like it's the teams that tend to be good at making the most out of these players and because i don't think the white Sox are the best at that now they're not terrible they're not clueless they're not all these things but like in 30 teams and like a fist fight every day who's going to do a best job <laughs> they tend to be 15th to 20th in a lot of these categories so when you need to figure out how to fill up that roster make sure those top six or eight players stay healthy and stay performing i'm not super confident they're going to beat a bunch of other teams at that and so if you're not beating them then you have to then go you know sign those guys as free agents like there's ways to do it and i just don't feel like they had the resources once they dedicated all those resources to the top of the roster to do it at the bottom of the roster and so over a long season when the bottom of the roster gets a little iffy and the system's been bottom 10 for a while and like the drafts international have been like good not great and then Colas is like sort of a hope he comes up it's not quite ready yet you got to send him back down it's like i just don't think there's enough like bullets in the chamber there to really do what needs to be done and then a lot of those core players at the top of the roster are also not performing so 
So now it just looks even worse than I thought it could be. We're just like, well, everyone's kind of underperforming right now. So you asked for hope, and uh, I guess I could try to answer that question again. But that's sort of the no, state no, of play please, no, no, you're good, please. You're... You are my, you are my, you are my inner dark thoughts right now, Kylie. Is what, what you really are as a Sox fan. You're just saying everything. He sounds I'm like a Sox of. fan. Yeah, yeah, a realist. That's exactly what I'm hearing. Uh, before we let you go, Kylie, uh, you, you mentioned his name, and, and I am curious your thoughts on Oscar Colas. Like, is he a guy? Because it seemed going into the season that the White Sox were content putting him in right field simply because it was the best of the options that were out there for them as opposed to them having you know pure confidence in the guy to be a, a high-level Major League Baseball player. Uh, which of the two is it? it what, which of the two situations is it in your mind? He's a guy on that spectrum of if he uh, really stays on top of the sort of body maintenance and the size and the flexibility and things like that, then he can play the outfield. If he doesn't, he's going to get bigger and be more of a first-base DH and probably comes with more power. So it's really just like what sort of player is he going to be? Uh, the problem is with Andrew Vaughn and Eloy Jimenez, it's like not exact, that's not exactly the kind of player you're looking for. <laughs> like you'd love a speedy up-the-middle guy with some power. Like Byron Buxton would be great to have uh, right now. Yeah. Um, and then the and then the issue with Colas, which I, I sort of mentioned when I, I didn't put him in my top 100, I think he was you know the 150 to 180 area on my prospect rankings in the winter. My concern was when you look at the data and then sort of watch him for a handful of the bats, you're like, all right, the, the raw power's there, it's always been there. The ability for bat to ball is there, that's always been there. The issue for me was he was chasing too much out of the zone, and that swing and miss inside the zone was also a problem. And so I thought if we're seeing those, like he's performing in double and triple A because I think he's you know older and and, and more talented than the pitchers he's facing but when he's facing 95 on the black and a plus slider from everybody is his pitch selection going to be such that those tools can come out and that was sort of the thing that wasn't quite ready yet and that's still the kind of player he is and i mentioned earlier that like chase is generally seen you know swinging pitches out of the zone is seen as a thing that you can teach and because he went so long despite his age not playing there were like two or three years there where he didn't play a game uh he he i think of it uh the adjusting the um, to not chasing pitches out of the zone as sort of like wet cement. Like he hasn't been playing a game every day for three years to where that is dry. So I think that mm-hmm. can still be tweaked and improved. I think he can still be an everyday player, but that is the issue he has to work on. And a lot of times guys that are as talented as him, we've seen this with like Acuna and some of these guys that get held down a little bit artificially in the minors. If they're so physically talented, it's hard to improve because they don't have to change anything to succeed. And if you're succeeding, why would you change anything? So he's now in that weird sort of nether region where like, how does he go to a level where he's challenged enough that he will both succeed and try to improve and then come up and be a slightly different guy for the better? He's got to solve that issue. And guys have solved this issue before, but like that's where he is, and that's kind of tricky to solve. Yeah, and if the Sox continue on this path, he's going to get a lot of opportunity to fix that whole thing in the latter half of the season. Uh, Kylie, I appreciate you hanging out with us, man. Some fantastic stuff right there. Yep, thanks for having me. Kylie McDaniel, ESPN Baseball Insider, hanging out with us here on 670 The Score. Make sure you follow him on Twitter. At Kylie MCD. Listen, yeah, you're yeah. you're a realist. Yeah, but that right there was like he just like cocked back and slapped me in the face. Good, just with Good. some. You need you know, that. I want to be. I'm not a proponent know, of violence. So somebody else can do it. That's fine. I'm, I'm not going to be the one. It's just it, the thing is, we all know that this is the reality, and we're all just hopeful the same way that Rick Hahn, Kenny Williams, and the likes are. We just want these guys to be talented in the present, but it's a process, and so you. You don't feel like you have enough space to allow for that because you put yourself in a position as a team to win now with who you have. And he said it best. You sign these guys. You have eight, that you, six, seven, eight that you feel like should be con- contributing at a high level in the present. But if they're hurt, if they can't 
then you don't have anything in the, the back margins end look either. real rough right yeah. now. Yeah, <laughs> most certainly. All right, we're going to continue with our chat uh, about some baseball. We get an opportunity to talk a little bit more White Sox, a little bit more Cubs, and then go back to taking your calls, man. I know we talked about a lot of stuff. If you have any thoughts, uh, we're here for you. It's a beautiful Mother's Day uh, in the city of Chicago. You guys are on the road. You have some thoughts, 312-644-6767. We'll take your calls after the break. It's Gabe Ramirez, Marshall Harris, right here on 670 The Score. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. US Q3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.